hearts of stone turn into hearts of gold, all of their bleeding turns into healing. Welcome to Prodigal's Morning Podcast. If you're joining us today, we are very happy that you uh, you decided to listen to us two prodigals. Um, today, we have uh, my lovely wife, Miss Savannah Dover, and myself, your host, Wes Dover. And today, guys, we're going to talk about Genesis and why is it important that we believe what the Bible says on creation and why we're here and what uh, and what does the word of God say about how the earth was made um, the Bible says let's read Genesis 1 because I've heard it said a few times uh, that and even the, the most audacious claim that that not even the Bible says that God created the earth well if you are of that opinion, we can refute that quite easily. Let's go to Genesis 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. End. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. Um, so why is it important? Why is it important that, that we believe in Genesis? Why is it important that we believe in a natural reading of the scripture meaning that it says what it means and it means what it says well some say it's important that it's not important but Jesus spoke about it like it was actual history and and let me let, let me go here real fast and um, if Genesis is not natural if Genesis is not in other words, meant to be read as literally as... Well, yeah, obviously, um, symbols are meant to be figurative, and it tells you what those figurative those pieces of figurative language are. Um, if Genesis is not meant to be overall read literally, then the whole Bible falls apart. And this is why. Because in Scripture, in Genesis, if you roll over to around Genesis 3, if you roll over to around Genesis 3, um, scripture addresses why uh, so many different things about our life, right? Um, from everything from um, why is there sin and evil in the world to why we wear clothes and everything in between, Genesis gives us the foundation for it. It tells us why we're here. It gives us the reason for death. Death is not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. And yet, many secular secularists will tell you that well death is natural but the scripture here quite plainly puts it that death is not a natural event it's judgment from god against sin so if you don't believe in genesis and you don't believe in the rest of the bible specifically when adam and eve sinned jesus or, or god himself right god obviously jesus is god but god told adam and eve that my that your seed or told Eve that your seed will crush the serpent's head, which is a prophecy, which is a prediction that that 
out of Eve, right, out of Eve and her children, her descendants, will come the one, the Messiah, who is meant to crush the serpent's head or the devil's head and meant to overthrow sin. So if if Genesis is actually a fiction book, if Genesis is actually metaphorical, if Genesis is meant to be metaphorical, then what we find is that Jesus had no claim to be this Messiah because, well, what was it talking about there? What was it talking about there? And if you allow yourself to say that, that Genesis is metaphorical, you can make it to whatever you want it to be. And that's simply not the case. That's simply not the truth. And I find that a lot of people will, will make Scripture say whatever they want it to say because they can't confront the reality that it contradicts them and their sin. Um, I find that to be the case. That that's, that's most people. Um, so genealogies are also present and essential to fulfill the Messianic prophecies. Um, so basically God put it to where not just anybody could come and claim to be the Messiah. They had very specific parameters for who claimed to be the Messiah. And we can go into that specifically and in detail in later podcasts. But, um, Genesis is absolutely crucial for knowing this. I mean, how many of y'all uh, have read Genesis and you get to the part where it says, well, Adam beget Seth and blah and so forth, so forth, so on and so forth. And normally, if we're being honest, we jump over the begets. This person beget that person, this person beget that person, or sired or, or fathered that person. And um, how many of us often skip over it? Well, it's critically important. This is why Matthew goes into genealogies. Matthew goes into genealogies because it's important to proving, hey, this guy, Jesus, is the Messiah. He proves it by his lineage. He proves it by his lineage. So we need to show, we need to hold fast to Scripture. We need to hold fast to Scripture. The Bible does not give room for millions of years. It quite simply doesn't. Um, if we look, and, and I was one of those that believed in kind of a gap theory that there were uh, different eras. There were different eras maybe between each each child. But if you look at it and try not to read your own culture into it, you'll find that Scripture doesn't give enough room for that. Scripture does not give you enough room to believe that, oh, there are millions of years between each, between each person. Um, if you look to Genesis 4... If you look to Genesis four, you have well, Adam and Eve knew his Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and um, and then eventually you get on to Abel, and then eventually you get on to Seth, and so on and so forth. So, what you're going to find here in verse in chapter five, you're going to find that. Well, Adam lived 130 years, and he followed his son in his own likeness, after his image, and they named him Seth. And then the days of Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930, and then he died. So, when Adam had 130 years, he he had he had Seth, right? All right. So then, Seth lived 105 years, and then he fathered Enosh, and then then so on and so forth. You can stack these numbers together. You can stack these numbers together and you do not come to a conclusion, a logical conclusion, that there are millions of years between these people. So, that is a very quick overview of Scripture, of Genesis. But I want to 
hark on this point that you can believe scripture and what it says because it deals with the problems of sin it deals with the problem of death it shows you uh, Ray Comfort is famous for saying this he says the Old Testament um, describes why we have death or tells you why we have death and God promises to destroy death you know again Jesus is going to crush the head of the serpent and the New Testament tells us how he did it the New Testament tells us how he did it and obviously that's through Jesus Christ right Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sin and if we would repent of our sin and trust in him he would grant us eternal life all of this starts back in Genesis um, look to Genesis 6 and this describes the famous story of Noah and the flood he says these were the generations of Noah Noah was a righteous man blameless in his generation remember Noah was a descendant of Adam and Eve and Noah is tasked with building an ark this is not like a little boat this is not like a little dinghy this is a giant vessel and and as you go on in chapter 7 um, water consumes the earth this is the first example of God's wrath on sin this is the first example of God's wrath on sin and what you have here is the ark is what we call a Christotype it's a type of Christ in some way it's a type and shadow of Christ and what do we mean by a type and shadow well there are some elements of it that that are pointing forward to the Messiah the ark itself right number one if you look into the details of Scripture you look into the details of scripture it says that uh, God bid Noah to come into the ark which implies that God was already in the ark he didn't say go into the ark he said come into the ark the door was closed from the inside the there was only one way to be rescued from this massive flood and it was getting on the ark acknowledging Christ as sovereign acknowledging God as the Savior repenting of the those wicked things that that those people like to do in that day that I would argue we don't do much differently we do about the same and then getting aboard the ark for salvation Jesus Jesus is the fulfillment of this because God's wrath will be poured out on mankind one day we have that assurance in revelation we have the assurance of revelation I find that the problem with with people's uh, people's theology most often starts in Genesis most often starts at the very beginning um, someone may say well the, the ark was figurative uh, the ark was figurative no it had metaphorical elements to it in the sense that it's it's supposed to help us to infer that there's gonna be a savior later on down the line where God does this very same thing later but it's in the same way that Abraham sacrificing his son or almost sacrificing his son is also a Christotype whereas God whereas God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his only son and provided a ram later God would provide a lamb his own son and this time he would not stop this time he would not stop he would he would sacrifice his own son for the death for the sin of the world this is how God himself deals with the problem of evil he deals with the problem of sin and he's still perfectly just because the payment for sin has been made 
The payment of for sin has been made. We can't simply don't have room. Again, we don't have room in Scripture to believe in millions of years. Why? Because we have genealogies leading up to Christ, showing how He is the perfect fulfillment. Let me be honest. If we, if we, or let me be very candid or frank. If we believe in millions of years, if we believe in millions of years, if we believe we came from monkeys, if we believe that we came from, um, if we believe we came from amoebas and all that, if we believe in a godless explanation for the origin of life and how we got to this point, then you completely neuter scripture. You completely remove from scripture its ability to proclaim salvation. And I do believe that's the that's the bent of a lot of modern scientists. Um, a lot of modern scientists who believe in this narrative that there are millions of years and that, that, uh, that we evolved to this point. If that were true, you would completely remove every claim that Jesus had about sin and repentance, right? Because if you're moved from Genesis, God, if you're moved from Genesis, what it actually says, if you're moved from it, what it actually says about God and life and death and sin, then you're moved from even the New Testament, God's answer. And I think, too... It's very easy for us to make idols. That might that could be a whole podcast series, really. But in this particular case, it's very easy for us to make idols of of science or of ourselves or of our own thought processes. Um, I think that a lot of times we want to try to figure things out by our own logic. And the thing is, is people get so caught up in what science says or what they think or this or what they feel like is logical or or anything else like that that we we totally christians totally miss what genesis is saying and what um and all of the important scripture and and everything that it says about the new testament and everything like that i've talked to several people that really profess to believe profess to be Christians and, and believe in Christ and everything, but do not think anything in the in Genesis is history. They don't believe in the flood. They don't believe in Adam and Eve. They don't believe in um, Jonah and the whale. And the their reasoning behind that is that in their own logical thoughts, it doesn't make sense. And to just be... This, this is perhaps why the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding... And, you know, just being really frank, like, we don't, um, we don't know everything. Scientists don't know everything. We don't have to know everything. We have to have faith. I don't feel like I need to know, and I am, you know, I like science. I have a science background, but I don't feel like I have to know every little thing that happened and how every little thing works. I feel like I need to believe in the Bible and what it says in the book that Jesus talked about as history because I'm a Christian and, and I believe in Christ. And there is no way for me to believe in Christ on the basis, of course, that he's real, but on the basis of Scripture and then say that Genesis is not real, that there's just no room for that. So if you're, um, <clears throat> if you're still in that camp that says, well, <clears throat> I believe in the New Testament, um, I believe that that's written more literally, but 
Um, I don't know. There's some stuff in the Old Testament that has to be figurative, <clears throat> like Adam and Eve, because if you're convinced that evolution is real, and that you know there was no first two people, there was there was you know hundreds or thousands of them, you know. <clears throat> well, let me make this point to you. From this is these are Jesus's words, and the entire Bible is God's words, right? the The whole Bible is in effect Jesus's words. However, um, this is what Jesus directly said in Mark ten six. He says, "But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female." All right, wait a minute. At the beginning of creation, so in those first six days, God made them male and female. So there's no old earth here. There's no millions of years old earth. That immediately refutes the idea that though the earth is millions of years older than we are. Um, <clears throat> at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That also refutes certain other ideologies that there's more than just male and female. Um, but uh, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. That refutes a lot of the modern ideas of what marriage is. And the two will become one flesh. And I want you to see how, how it pays dividends, how 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 disrespecting scripture and what scripture says pays dividends just in those two verses or three verses alone just in those two or three verses alone we have so many horrendous deviations from what god established um we have so but at the beginning of creation god made the male and female well we have two big ones number one people don't believe that human beings were created alongside the original creation event. They believe there's millions of years between them. Number two, um, there's a lot of people in modern day don't believe in just male and female anymore. They believe that there are many other genders and everything else. Number two, seven, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Well, number one, we can go into that rabbit hole about a lot of fatherlessness in the home as a child grows up. We can go down that rabbit hole, but we can also talk about how... Um, how because they deny that because people deny that in the beginning God made them male and female they go after after their own lust and they go after homosexual partners and multiple partners and all these different things um, and the two will become one flesh do we see that how when you reject Genesis and Jesus is teaching it like it's authoritative because it is you see how when you reject Genesis you open yourself for a whole other rabbit hole of of divergent uh, lifestyles and divergent uh, theologies and practices. And also, too, the reason that Wes is, you know, and, and we've been talking about this is what Jesus says, this is what he taught, because a lot of people who say that they kind of reject a lot of what is in the Old Testament or Genesis and stuff like that, they say that they believe in what Jesus said and what he talked about, but they don't believe in stuff that's in the Old Testament. And you find that with a lot of things. Like, people talk about homosexuality being a sin that way, even though Jesus does say that in the New Testament. A lot of people think it's just in Leviticus. And so they'll say, oh, I don't believe in the Old Testament. I only believe what Jesus said. And they'll focus on the really wonderful qualities Jesus does have, of course, um, and talk about love and um, grace and mercy and all of those wonderful things. But they'll kind of leave out um, things that, that they that conflict with their own ideas or kind of leave a bad taste in their mouth and stuff like that. And the thing is, the reason we keep going back to what Jesus said about Genesis is if you, if a person 
claims to believe in what Jesus said and not the Old Testament, then you have to be able to look at what everything Jesus said and realize that he is affirming the entire Bible. And that's a really important thing to think about because if you or somebody you know, I know we a lot of us have family members, we have discussions with stuff about if, if you or somebody you know or you come across a person that says they believe in what Jesus said but not in the rest of it, you really, it's, the person needs to have a hard look at what Jesus said and what they believe and really try to figure out if they actually do believe what Jesus said. Because a lot of, you know, Jesus says that, you know, some people will come and he'll say that I've never knew you. And a lot of people believe in their minds that they are in Christ when in reality they've made a God of, of their own creation. So that's important to that's important to talk about because, you know, there are many people that, <clears throat> that will say that, oh, I get to decide what the Bible means. No, you don't. Um, you absolutely don't get to decide what the Bible means. What interprets Scripture? Scripture interprets Scripture. The Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. Um, you do not get to determine for yourself what the Bible says. You don't get to cherry pick either. Um, <clears throat> because you either base your foundation on one of two things. Either God's Word or man's Word. That's it. Draw your line in the sand. Where, where, where are you drawing your line? Don't try to cherry pick and say, well, I can believe in, in that Jesus died for my sins, but also that we became from amoebas and monkeys and everything else. Regardless of whether or not we're attacking specifically the, the, the false claims of evolution, you have to draw your line. Where are you drawing it? Do you draw your line on, on the side of evolution and uh, with the skeptics and everything else? Or do you draw your line with the Bible and say, you know what? Even if I don't understand how Scripture makes sense in this area, even though I don't see how Scripture could be true in this area, I choose to put aside my own understandings and I choose to trust in Jesus. I choose to trust in what God's Word says and let Him show me how it makes sense. And I promise if you have the faith to do that, if you trust in God that much that you're going to not lean to your own understanding but trust in Him, He will reveal unto you oftentimes not every time maybe there's a lot that we won't understand until you know we're with him in, in heaven but um a lot of the times he'll show you why later he wants you to take that step of faith first he wants you to take that step of faith first oftentimes um this does not mean our faith is a blind faith our faith is a reasonable faith but that do that doesn't mean that we completely can only walk and only make choices by what we can perfectly understand. Because I don't know about you, but this 10-pound brain doesn't understand a whole lot. Um, and I don't suspect that most people's brains can understand everything about everything. That would make us omniscient. We're not. God is. Um, think of it this way as we as we start to close. I, I think it was a story by Corey Ten Boom. And I'm not going to go through the, <clears throat> the exact story, but... Um, when Corey Ten Boone was a was a child, um, she had um, asked her father something, and her father wouldn't tell her, wouldn't give her the answer she wanted, um, because the knowledge that she was wanting was too far above her at her current state. You don't tell a kid literally everything about everything. You don't. That's going to overwhelm the child. Too much knowledge can be a burden and can be or can be destructive to somebody, um, depending on where they're at. 
So the point is, and you know, in our, um, you know, in our pride, we gotta, we have to know everything. We have to know everything about everything. We gotta know every single detail about everything, and we don't want to have to trust God. <clears throat> but Scripture is clear that number one, we're not gonna know everything because God knows everything, and number two, we're not capable of knowing everything. I mean, even Adam and Eve proved this, right? Um, even Adam and Eve proved this, even though they were perfect. They were made perfect, and they had no flaw in them. They were not capable of knowing about sin and evil without other disastrous consequences. Same way with us. There's some knowledge that we are not capable of understanding or not capable of bearing until we're on the other side. There's some things we just can't know. and there's But there are some things we can know here on this side. There are some things we can know here. When you were a child, when you were a child, you didn't need to know things about algebra because that would have overwhelmed you as a four or five year old. That would probably have overwhelmed you. You didn't need to know things about like the about certain realities of life regarding like sex and evil and different things like that. Um, you didn't need to know those things because those would have overwhelmed you. In a similar way, there are certain elements that we cannot perfectly understand here on this side because it would overwhelm us. It would overwhelm us and it wouldn't be good for us. And God gives perfectly good gifts. What we're called to do is not to understand perfectly everything and thank God for that because there's so much that I do not understand myself. What you're called to do is to trust now, of course, try to find answers and how things make sense, of course, but don't make that your idol. Don't make your brain your idol. Don't make your your knowledge your idol. We all know that guy that makes his brain or his knowledge, his superior knowledge, his idol, and you probably don't like that guy either because he's probably coming across like a jerk or, or a narcissist. By the same token, we need to trust in God. We need to trust in God and what his word says, and I believe that you'll be blessed you'll be blessed by trusting in what God says as opposed to what man says we hope you enjoyed this podcast um, please tune in to uh, all of our podcasts we're available on YouTube Spotify and a few other platforms that we are working on getting into um, I think we're going to try to get on Apple Music, um, and then I believe we're also going to get on um, Google, the Google Music Podcast. I forget what it's called, but we'll be on a few more. Prodigal's going worldwide. But anyway, we hope you have a great day. Um, please consider these things. If I were to uh, ask you to do anything, it's read through Genesis and read through it with clearing out everything else out of your mind. Read it for what it is. Read it for what it so clearly says. Um, this is my hope for you. Have a great day. Have a great week. God bless.